Happy Easter. I don't know what campus you're at, but Littleton's going crazy today. Guys, have a seat. What's up, Littleton, Lakewood, Arvada, Austin, Texas, Brussels, Belgium, both God Behind Bars campuses. We love you so much. We're so glad that you're with us. And hey, back me up, church. To those of you at one of our God Behind Bars campuses, we want you to know this. You are every bit as much a part of this family as those of us sitting in this room right now. We love you so much. We're so proud of you. For all of you who are visiting with us for the first time at every single location, we're so glad you're here. We hope you've already felt welcomed. We know it's weird going to church, and especially on a big weekend like this, because what happens is, is you just feel guilty and show up, right? And your neighbor and your sister and your mom and whoever won't stop asking, and you're like, it's Easter, I kind of have to. And so then you're here, and you're going, now what? Well, I'll tell you what, now what? I want you to relax Make yourself at home. Know this, we're a bunch of imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. So no matter what you've got going on, we're glad you're here. In fact, we prayed that you would be here. So welcome home, welcome to Red Rocks Church, and happy Easter. I wanna start out today's Easter weekend services with uh, possibly the most famous verse in all of the Bible, especially at football games, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved, that's what it says. And would you just, whether you have been to this church for 14 years, or this is the first time you've ever been, whether you've grown up in church, or this is the first time you've ever been, would you start to open up your mind to this concept that maybe, just maybe, God wants you to know before you walk out of wherever you're at right now, maybe, just maybe, the reason he has you here is because he so badly wants to tell you that he loves you today. That he loves you just the way you are. Not some future version, not the you you wish you were. You, that he loves you, that he, that he so loves you, that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay the price for our sins so that today you and I can say, you know what, God, I, I'm not gonna be perfect, but I can feel something going on in my heart. I can feel you calling me into a relationship with you, and so I'm gonna repent of my sins. I wanna make you the Lord of my life, and to the best of my ability, I'm gonna try to follow you. You can decide to do that today, and the Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, and that applies to you. On Friday, very first Easter weekend, on Friday, he went to the cross to do just that, to pay the price for our sins. But Sunday was a whole different story, wasn't it? Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb bringing the fragrant spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Sunday, the tomb was empty, and Jesus walked out of the grave, conquering sin, hell, death, proving that he was the one and only son of the one and only God and the one and only way to heaven. 
And he said, you know what? I've told you that I can change your life. I've told you that I can forgive your sins. I want to make sure there's no doubt. And so he walks out of a tomb on Sunday, appears to over 500 eyewitnesses. So much physical evidence, so much eyewitness testimony of the resurrected Jesus Christ that it couldn't be refuted. And the church started going global right then. And that's what we're celebrating today. Punch your neighbor in the thigh. Say, that's good news. Anybody ever lit anything on fire? Now, now I'm not talking about like the corner of a piece of paper, a little matchbook. I'm talking about you lit something on fire and the fire department had to come save the day because walls were coming down. Now, how many of you have done that? Bunch of pyros and you're way too excited that you've done that. <laughs> Security. You know what I'm saying? Guys, I've done that twice. I'm talking about set things on fire to where the fire department had to come save the day. Once I was six, once I was 26. When I was six, I was with my cousin. When I was 26, I was with Chad. I'm not sure which one I was more immature for. I don't have time to give you the whole stories, but me and my cousin... We li Listen, I grew up in Kansas in a trailer, all right? And I don't know what they make trailers out of these days, but when I grew up in a trailer, it was just about cardboard because those things go up quick, all right? That's all I'm saying. I'm not sure we can totally be blamed. But we were playing with matches. Kids, don't do this. Don't play with fire. We were playing with matches. It was my trailer, my cousin's trailer, and her grandma's trailer. And I called her grandma, too. And we set grandma's trailer on fire. Long story. Fire department came. It's okay. Grandma was fine. That was when I was six. When I was 26, me and Chad were playing video games. I was married. He lived with us. Recipe for a fantastic marriage right there. Most of my stories, I told you a few weeks ago, most of my bigger regret stories in life are always accompanied with, and Chad was with me. Well, the Brugmans, Scott and Chad, will tell you that most of their stories growing up of regret, they will always end it with, and Foth was with us. Scott, you know what I'm talking about. Chris Foth was with us. So Chris Foth is in my house, and Chad lives with me. So this is double jeopardy. Something bad has to happen. Chris says, hey, we should grill out. I said, I don't have a grill. He said, well, let's go buy one. I said, I'm an intern. I don't have any money. He goes, we'll get a charcoal grill. They're cheap. So we went to Home Depot. We got a charcoal grill. We grilled out, got some chicken breasts. Everything went fine. That's a Saturday. On Sunday, we come back from the garage. We had a detached garage about 20 yards off the back porch. We walk onto the back porch. We see the grill. Chris says, you know what? We should grill out again. I said, I'm in. I said, there's some coals from yesterday's grilling. Well, let's get rid of those. And so I grabbed the plastic trash can and we took the grill and we dumped the coals from yesterday into the plastic trash can. I took the trash can out and set it next to the detached garage. Who knew how long those things could stay hot? <laughs> Who knew? We grill out, we go back inside, we start playing video games. All of a sudden, we hear someone pounding on the back door, like, like going crazy, yelling fire. And I kid you not, we were like, is he saying fire? And we we're like, I don't know. 
Like we just kept, every now and then my wife's like, all our kids do is look at screens and I don't know where they got this from. <laughs> and I'm always like, oh. we don't get the door. Jill comes in. She's like, really guys? Has to be second guessing her marital decisions. Goes and gets the back door, opens it up. Guy comes running in, fire, fire. We go running outside. I'm talking like 20 foot flames coming off the garage. The coals were still hot, apparently. They set the little plastic trash can on fire, which set the garage on fire, which caused the fire department to come in. They come in swinging axes, take out a whole wall of the garage. And I was trying so hard not to laugh because none of it was funny. You know what I mean? But as I'm looking through the wall that used to be there, I see my wife's Honda Civic and the handles and hubcaps were melted off. <laughs> and I was like, that's what they make trailers out of in Kansas, I think. <laughs> if I were mapping, I'm going to talk about the Bible, I promise. If I were mapping out a timeline for my life and putting some like, you know, highlights and lowlights, the two fires would probably make the timeline. Like those were pivotal moments. Got crazy on those days. But the truth is, if we were to really do that, what I would have to tell you is, is the truth is I lived a lot of life between those two fires, right? 20 years. Grew up in Kansas, went to obviously the best school in the country, Kansas University, uh, graduated, amen, and uh, graduated and went to LA and got in trouble. And then my friend brought me to church in Illinois and I got saved one day and experienced the presence of God in a service just like this. We started going to the church, met my wife in a small group in the church, got married, got called into ministry, started interning to be a pastor. Like I lived a lot of life between the two fires. Well, today we're talking about a guy, one of the most influential men in the entire Bible. You'll hear me call him Simon Peter or the Apostle Peter. Uh, scripture refers to him both ways. He would tell you if he were here today, he would say the same thing. I lived a lot of life between two fires. And so we're going to look at two fires that would be pivotal for his life his calling, his relationship with God, the way he lived, the way he would be remembered, the whole thing. In fact, the title, if you're taking notes, and, and we can see those of you who are and who aren't, and as Doug reminded you recently, God doesn't judge you, but we do. Um, if you're taking notes, the title of today's talk is Between Two Fires. Fire number one takes place in John chapter 18. If you have a Bible, go ahead and flip to it. There was the Last Supper. They went and prayed with Jesus in the garden. Jesus gets arrested. At the Last Supper, those of you who grew up in church, you'll remember this. At the Last Supper, Jesus has this conversation and he says, some of you are gonna walk away from me. And, and, and Simon Peter is like, not, not me. I'll never leave you. You can't get rid of me. I'm all in. He said, you're gonna deny me three times before morning, before the rooster crows. And, and, and Simon Peter doubles down. He goes, no, 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 I'll die for you. Well, now Jesus has been arrested and everything's gotten crazy and this is happening. John 18, 17 and 18. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, no, 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 I am not. It was cold and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. This is the first fire. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Now let's skip down to verse 25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself and they asked him, 
you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Wait a minute. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? I saw you tonight. Again, Peter denied it. And at that, at that moment, a rooster began to crow. And Dr. Luke, who also records this event, even gives us a little more detail. He describes it like this. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord and how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Can you see it? Can you see the Apostle Peter standing around a charcoal fire, just trying to stay warm? And all of a sudden he starts getting hit with questions that he did not see coming and he was not prepared to answer. And think about it, he's had a crazy day. I mean, him and the guys were just having a meal and then Jesus takes him down to a garden to pray and, and Judas shows up with a bunch of soldiers and, and they're talking about wanting to arrest Jesus and this makes no sense. And so the apostle Peter pulls out a knife and, and, and cuts a guy's ear off trying to defend Jesus. And it doesn't work and, and he gets arrested, Jesus does. And, and as they're dragging him into town where he's going to be interrogated, the Bible says that, that Peter followed him at a distance. And why wouldn't he? Because he's probably overcome with all kinds of fear and worry and anxiety and what's going on and what's my place and what is happening, right? So, so he keeps his distance. But then he gets just outside of where Jesus is being interrogated around this fire and they start hitting him with questions. Like, hey, aren't you one of his guys? Aren't you with him? And what they're saying is, is maybe you should have been arrested. Maybe you ought to be on trial. Maybe you should be being interrogated right now. And, and three times he says, no, no, you got it all wrong. It's not me. I'm not that guy. I'm not with him. I don't know him. And the third time he denies Jesus. He hears a rooster crow. And the Bible says that at that moment from where Jesus was being interrogated, he turns and, and him and Peter lock eyes for just a second. And all of a sudden the reality of what has happened hits him like a ton of bricks. He realizes that I just denied my friend and my rabbi in a moment where he most needs help. And, and the Bible says that he, that he walks away. Like he just loses it, he breaks and he walks away and he's just crushed and he's overwhelmed with shame and guilt and regret. And it was in this moment where he's just sobbing and he decides I'm out. I'm walking on this whole thing, on my faith, on this Jesus stuff, on what I thought my future was about, on what I thought my calling was about. I'm out. His situation makes no sense. He's got to feel disappointed in God, definitely disappointed in himself. And it's more than he can handle. And at that moment, around that fire, he realizes my mistakes are they're, they're too many. My regrets are too heavy. I'm out and he walks. Can you see it? And I think the truth is, for a whole bunch of us, we know that feeling. In fact, some of you might be feeling it today, but we know that feeling of, this isn't, this isn't what my life was supposed to look like at this stage. 
wasn't supposed to be going through this. This wasn't supposed to happen to me. I've been doing what I was supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, what we start to do is we look at our situation. We start to get mad at God, don't we? And we start to think things like, well, I guess God's not doing what he was supposed to do. Maybe he's not paying attention. Maybe he doesn't care. And we become disappointed in God. And nobody needs to tell us how to become disappointed in ourselves. Like, we know that feeling. And so everything starts to get confusing. And he starts to think, you know what? I don't know if... God wants me anymore. I don't know if I want God anymore. I'm definitely not worthy. If he's still there and if he is paying attention after everything I have done, after I promised him I'd never do it again, I'm not worthy and I'm out and he walks. And it was interesting because I was reading the, all the gospels this, this week, getting ready for today. And I was looking at the apostle Peter's journey with Jesus through each one of them. And, and BZ was helping me put together this, this timeline of all the things that he experienced. And, and I, what I started to see is, is that our relationship with Jesus isn't that different. Now, some of the events are different for sure. But think about his relationship with Jesus. And if you haven't spent time in church, I'll give you some cliff notes. And if you have, you're already going to know what I'm talking about. Think about his journey with Jesus and think about yours. First, he was surprised by Jesus. Jesus just showed up. Like he was just going about life, just doing his thing. And, and God found him. And how many of us, if I took this mic around to all of our locations today, there'd be thousands of people around this church family that would go, that's my story. This is where I was. This is what happened to me. Someone brought me to church. I didn't even see it coming. I was in my room. I was with a friend. I was and I experienced the presence of Jesus, and then Jesus gives him the opportunity to follow him, and he does. Well, that's our story. God found me and gave me an opportunity to follow him, and I had really no clue what I was getting into, but I just knew, like, I'm supposed to do this, and so I said yes, and I started following. And then he makes a bunch of mistakes. Well, that's us, right? And then there's this moment where after his mistakes, in the middle of his mistakes, Jesus looks at him and says, I have a calling for you. I'm going to build my church on your shoulders. I got something I'm calling you to do. And then right after it, read this, like it's almost like Jesus barely got to blink. And all of a sudden he's rebuking him and calling him Satan and saying, get behind me because Peter's screwing everything up again. Well, we know that. God's called me to something. I know he has. He's called me to stop. He's called me to start. He's called me to give. He's called me to be. He's called me to take a risk. And, 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 I, and we get real excited. And then we just start making mistakes. And then we figure, well, like that offer probably expired after everything I've been doing. Right? And, 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 then, and then there's the Last Supper. And, and Jesus comes to wash his feet. And Simon Peter has this moment where he realizes, I'm not worthy. You can't wash my, no, no, you can't do this for me. I'm just me. And he has this moment of realizing I'm not worthy of the kind of love that he's trying to lavish on me. Well, we've had those moments where we just, I'm just not. I'm just not good enough for this. I just don't deserve this. I, I blew it again. I'll never be able to. I can't. And, and then he has a moment, right, where he goes, at that same dinner, I'm all in. Oh, come on, we could have a good time sharing the mic on. We would go around the room and people would go, oh, you should have seen me. They were singing this song in church and I had my hands up. I'd never even put my hands up before I had my hands up. I got all goosebumpy and I was like, I'm all yours, God. 
I'm all in. Take my life. Send me to Arvada. I kid Arvada. You know what I'm saying? We've had those moments where it's like, I'm all yours. And then some of our biggest mistakes and some of our biggest regrets. And, and we're just like, who am I kidding? And we want to walk and we want to we throw in the towel on the whole thing. That's exactly where he's at. Around this first fire, he realizes, I'm not good enough, I'm out. But I told you that the title of this weekend is between two fires. So thank God there was a second fire. And the second fire is going to be a game changer for him. If the first fire represents his past and his mistakes and his regrets and everything that he's embarrassed about, the second fire is going to be the opposite. The second fire is going to represent restoration and redemption and forgiveness and a brand new start and a brand new calling. The second fire is going to change everything. And because, and listen, this is so key, we get to decide which one of these defines us. And because he chose to let the second fire define him, oh, I'm telling you, church, the sky's the limit onto what God, what God can do with somebody who says, yeah, I've been through some stuff and I've made a lot of mistakes and I'm still making mistakes, but you know what? I'm in. And then he gets launched into his calling. He preaches the first message of the resurrected Jesus Christ. 3,000 people get saved, starts the church. It goes global. Billions of people are going to heaven. The second fire was a game changer. So what is it that happened between the fires that made the second one so powerful? The gospel. Easter happened between the two fires. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. The Messiah died for our sins exactly as Scripture tells it, that he was buried, that he was raised from the dead on the third day. That's what happened. In the Apostle Peter's life, these two fires are somewhere between two and six weeks apart. Picture a month. While he is throwing in the towel on his faith and his calling because he knows he's just not worthy and it doesn't really make sense. And while he's walking away from God, Jesus is going to the cross in between these two fires and paying the price for our sins so that we could be redeemed and restored and renewed and forgiven and changed in the here and now and given heaven forever. And on Sunday, he comes up out of the grave. That's what happened between the two fires. Easter happened between the two fires. And if you read the story for yourself, one of the first things on Jesus's agenda when he comes up out of the grave is to go find his boy, Simon Peter. He starts telling other people, you go get him. And then it doesn't work out. And he's still off on his thing, walking from God, running from God, doing his own thing. And so one day Jesus goes, I'll just go get him myself. And he goes over to the Sea of Galilee because see, Pete went fishing. See, oftentimes, and you'll know this because you've probably lived it, oftentimes when we do want to walk away from God, what we normally do on autopilot is I'll just go back to whatever I was doing before I found God. What I, whatever I was doing before I found God, I guess I'll just go back to that. And well, he was fishing before Jesus found him. So when he gives up and throws in the towel, he says, I'll just go fishing. I'll just go back and do what my family does. I'll just go do that. And that's where he's at. And he's at the Sea of Galilee, throw, throw, already thrown in the towel, Gone fishing. Jesus is resurrected. Simon Peter has no idea because he's just fishing. John 21, three through nine, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. Some of the guys said, I'm in too. I quit too. 
So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Professional fishermen working all night long, looking, 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 look, nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Jesus is funny. And I'm guessing pretty aggravating in the moment. <laughs> Me and my youngest son right now are doing one of the godliest things we've done in a long time. We're going through the Rocky movies together. <laughs> We're on Rocky Five. It's not my favorite, but you can't watch the whole thing without seeing Rocky go train Tommy Gunn. And then take him out in the alley next to one of these. We go down to the basement this week to watch Rocky Five, and we can't find the remote. And I'm like, this is what the Bible meant when it talked about persecution. <laughs> Trying to have a moment with my son. Jill, she won't come down. We have a sign that says man cave on it. She literally won't go down. She's like, it's gross. I'm not going down. I'm like, Jill, where's the remote? She goes, I don't know. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh, she knows. <laughs> I don't know. Me and Ashton are down there. I mean, it felt like an eternity, maybe 10 minutes. But we, every couch cushion is off the couch. The chair is over the thing. The rug's pulled back. The, all the doors on the TV thing are everything. In fact, Jill, are you sure? Check the couch cushions. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I didn't think of that. So I've got every couch cushion off. I'm not kidding. I'm holding up the couch. I've literally been to the chiropractor this week because of holding up the couch. I'm holding up the couch, and my wife walks downstairs. Every cushion's off. I'm holding the couch, and she literally goes like this. She goes, haven't found it, huh? I'm like this. <clears throat> no, babe, haven't found it. Thanks for noticing, though. Guys, I kid you not, yesterday, we're sitting at dinner, and she goes, you're never going to believe this. I just remembered today, I hid that remote from Ashton. I just grabbed my phone. She's like, what are you doing? I said, calling our counselor. Gary, <laughs> SOS. <laughs> Friends, haven't you any fish? No, Captain Obvious, no fish. Peter's definitely cussing on the boat right now. <laughs> no, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat. Oh, like that is going to make a gigantic difference. I can't, you know, people's like, row me to the shore. Row me to the shore. <laughs> I don't know what caused them to do it, but they did. And they throw the net on the other side of the boat. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And all of a sudden, they're about to make some, some realizations. They're about to understand some things that, that I want you guys to begin to understand about yourself today. First is this. Let's keep reading. Verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Here's the first thing I want you to, I want you to, to understand or to see that they knew. Go read the Gospel of John. It's almost funny how many times 
in the Gospel of John, John refers to himself, he's the writer of this, he refers to himself as the one Jesus loved. All the time. In fact, he talks about the resurrection, he's like, he's like the one who Jesus loved and Peter were raised into the tomb, the one who Jesus loved won. Not, go read it, it's hilarious. But I started thinking about this week. I'm telling you, it will change our lives if we would start reminding ourselves multiple times a day, you know what, I'm the one Jesus loves. Oh, I, I, I've been through some stuff. And I'm in some stuff. And I'm a work in progress. And sometimes I feel like I get more things wrong than I get right. But you know what? I'm the one Jesus loves. That'll change the game right there. Start reminding yourself that on a consistent basis. John says, then the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as, as, soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. Now get this. I don't know what kind of jacket he had, but he, in a frenzy, put his jacket back on, jumped in the water, and is about to swim a football field's distance to Jesus. And here, it hit me so hard this week. Earlier in the text, we read this, that when, when Jesus was being interrogated and dr drug into town to be interrogated, the apostle Peter followed at a distance because he didn't know his place and he didn't know what was going on. And there's all this confusion and all this fear and all this worry and all this, I don't get it, right? And he knows I've screwed a whole bunch of stuff up, but the second he realizes he still wants me, he came back for me, he still chooses me, I jump in the water now. I'm not following any at a distance. I'm in. It'll change the game when you start to understand that, yeah, I've been through some stuff and I've made some mistakes and my God still chooses me. He chooses you. You are his chosen one for where you live, for the family you're in, for the work you're in, for the neighborhood you're in, for the team you're on. He chooses you. He loves me. He chooses me. He realized that he jumped in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, here's the second fire. They saw a fire of burning coals with, uh, there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus builds another fire. And what's really interesting is, is there's fires all throughout the Bible. All the time. We always, we always read about fires in the Bible. Things that were set on fire, calling down fire. You know, all kinds. There's only two places in the New Testament where this Greek word anthrakia. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but we're close. Anthrakia. Two times in the New Testament. There's only two times when that word's used. It's used to describe a charcoal fire. The only two times in the New Testament that we see that word for charcoal fire is the charcoal fire that the Apostle Peter stood around when he denied Jesus and made some of the worst mistakes of his life and a charcoal fire that Jesus built him on a beach one morning to say, welcome back. I still love you. I still believe in you. I'm still calling you. I still choose you. <laughs> Think about the second he hit the beach, he would start to smell that charcoal fire, wouldn't he? Theologians say this shouldn't have happened. What should have happened, what normally would have happened, what anyone else would have done is make a driftwood fire. 
because there's driftwood all around the Sea of Galilee and it's all dried up and it burns great. But Jesus said, no, I'm not doing what's easy. I'm building a charcoal fire because I'm taking him back to the moment of his worst regrets. And Pete comes up on the shore and he says, can you smell it? You're thinking about it anyways. It's why you ran. You haven't stopped thinking about it anyways. That's why you keep disqualifying yourself. So let's go back. Let's not, let's not cover it up. Let's go back to that moment. Can you see it? Can you smell it? Can you feel it? You remember it? Now understand this. While you've been running, I've been working. And I went to a cross and I paid the price. And so this fire means that fire is canceled out. Now listen, he had to choose which one he was going to focus on. And so do you and so do I. This one's easier. On autopilot, it'll be this one. This is what I have done. This is what Christ has done for me. This is how I see me. This is how he sees me. See, and he sees me as perfectly righteous in his sight because he paid the price in full for my sins. He sees me as a child of God and heir to the throne, a perfectly righteous king's kid. I got to choose which one's going to define me. See, in my problem, my whole Christian walk has been, I just feel too unworthy to receive what God has for me. And I bet you deal with the same thing from time to time. And it's because I focus on the wrong fire. I spend too much time focusing on what I have done or what I'm still not doing right. And Jesus is like, when are you going to start focusing on what I have done and how I see you? Because it'll change the way you live. And this week I was, I was telling the guys, I was feeling a little jittery because it's Easter and it's obviously a big weekend for us. And this is our chance to tell more people than we'll get to tell for the entire year that Jesus loves them. And I take it real serious and I was feeling a little anxious over the whole thing and I was praying one day and, and I felt like God just sort of dropped this thought in my mind he said it's on your necklace it's on your necklace Jill got me this for our 20 year anniversary a few months ago and it just says I-L-Y-M I love you more that's what it stands for and see the whole time we've been married I'll say to my wife, I love you. And she always says the same thing back. She always says, I love you more. And so now she'll say, I love you. And I always say, I love you more. And we say it so often that now our kids often say it. Many times we'll tell our boys, I love you. And our boys will say back, I love you more. And I felt like God just reminded me, that's what this fire is. This is, I love you more. I love you more than what you've done. I love you more than what you haven't done. I love you more than what you've got wrong. I love you more. You are not defined by a divorce. You are not defined by an abortion. You are not defined by a betrayal. You're not defined by abuse. You're not defined by what you have and haven't done. You're defined by what I did in between the fires and you can be set free. What happened between the fires is a game changer. It's called Easter, and it's why we celebrate. And my hope and my prayer for you today is that you would actually begin to experience the love that God has for you. So I'm asking you to just stay in your seat for a few minutes, and the band's going to play a song. 
And I want you to just take in the words of this song. And can you just start to understand this reality? In fact, would you put those words across that back? Can you start to understand this reality? Yes, I've made a bunch of mistakes. Yes, I still do. Yes, I'm far from perfect. But my God loves me. <laughs> my God chooses me. And I am worthy. Can you start to let that reality set in? God loves you. God chooses you. And you are worthy. Listen to this.
up with me at every single location Would you bow your head and close your eyes let's respond to God right now God on behalf of this entire church family we thank you we thank you for everything that you've done for us Jesus thank you for going to the cross for us thank you for paying the price for our sins we've never earned it we've never deserved it but we are so so grateful thank you God and I want to give you a chance to respond with everyone's eyes closed just a second if God's doing something in your life. And the first question I have for you is this, is you already have a relationship with Jesus, but you struggle with this whole thing of actually experiencing his love for you. Maybe it's past mistakes. Maybe it's current stuff. Maybe it's that feeling of unworthy. Maybe it's guilt, shame. Maybe you don't know what the actual problem is, but you have a hard time experiencing his love and you have an easier time disqualifying yourself from it. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I'm just gonna say a prayer for you. I'm gonna believe that God is going to set some people free of this right now in Jesus' name. Praise God, listen. Second question is this. You don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you, you, can, you can feel it can't explain it, but you can feel it. Something's going on in my heart right now. That's God. That's the creator of the universe calling you into a relationship with him. And right now, you know, this is my time. This is my moment. I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to repent of my sins. And I want to say, Lord, I don't know how this is going to go and I won't be perfect, but I want to follow you. If that's you and you're making this decision today, would you raise your hand right now? I'm going to say a prayer for you. I want to repent of my sins. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I want to follow you. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Keep them up. God behind bars, keep them up. Brussels, raise them up. God, I thank you so much. You have us here for a very specific purpose, a very specific reason right now. For those of us who have a hard time experiencing your love, God, I pray that we would experience breakthrough right now in Jesus' name, that this invisible wall would go down and we would actually be able to let you forgive me, let you love me, let you be my Savior. God, I thank you for the freedom right now in Jesus' name. And I pray that you would begin to just break down some walls and that we could experience your love. And I thank you, God, for the people who are crossing over from death to life right now. I thank you for the eternal lives that are being changed right now as people decide to put their faith in you. God, we love you so much. It's our honor to worship you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's worship. Amen. 